Well, I want to tell you something. Uh, today is a massive, massive honor. And um, Joey, Joey and Stacy are really good friends. They're going to be here speaking today. They spoke at the marriage night last night. How many of y'all enjoyed that? It was such an awesome, awesome night. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't introduce you last night. And so today, if I cry, I, you know, it's just, it's just, it might happen. But uh, Pastor Joey actually grew up with the Bensons, and his parents are right behind them. The Alcala family got to be raised up and great friends with the Bensons, some of the number one supporters of Mike and Don. And, and we just appreciate you guys so much, and we love you guys. Uh, Joey and Krista grew up together, and uh, Krista, myself, Joey, and Stacy uh, met together in a discipleship program called Master's Commission. And man, we quickly became friends, and uh, man, we just, we did everything together. We celebrated every major thing in life together from, from dating two weeks apart and trying to, Joey, you know, trying to hunt down our wives and get them to say yes. I mean, the struggle was real. We needed somebody in the trenches with us to fight alongside us and tell us, bro, you got this, homie. I mean, you look dead. I mean, you, you are. It, it doesn't look really good for you, but just keep on fighting. And, um, and man, here we are over 20 years later, um, serving Jesus. And man, we have sat across the table from each other so many nights, um, celebrating our greatest joys in life together and uh, kids and having babies and, and then crying together uh, over some of life's greatest challenges. And so, um, man, it, it is such an honor of ours to have you guys in our house. And if you're a parent in here, uh, Pastor Joey and Stacy have spoken the last several years. Come on up, guys. They've spoken the last several years at the North Texas camp uh, for the kids speakers. And so if you're a parent, they have ministered to your kids. And, and I'm going to tell you one of the coolest stories this summer, Ellie came home from camp and um, she was telling us about a time at the altar with you guys. And um, you guys were talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and receiving a gift. And she came home this year and said, I received my prayer language this, this year. And so, man, it's because of great leaders like this that the Lord is influencing their life and their kids and their daughters praying with Ellie and so many of your kids. So would you guys give my friends the greatest Grace Place welcome that you know how to give this morning? Wow. When you step into a place and you, and you love the people who have poured their life into it, it's easy just to love you all. And so um, me and Stacy feel like we're a part of your journey. Um, I remember when I was younger, um, I, would use, I used to call um, Pastor Don really late at night and say, hey, I have a four-page paper due, um, and um, is there any way that I could come over? And it was probably around 11. And um, I would come over to her house, and then I would, you know, dictate the, the project. And then uh, 30 minutes later, I'd have a four-page paper done. And, uh, man, so many amazing memories um, with Pastor and Don. And um, thank you for pouring into me and to us and uh, for, this, for this body. You know, um, you can tell the quality of people by the people they surround them with. And me and Stacy were, were bragging on you last night about you know, getting to speak at the marriage conference yesterday and just the quality of people that are here. Um, I want you to know this is rare air, uh, having an opportunity to, to, to speak and travel and um, what God is doing at the Grace Place and what he's doing in this local area is special. And, um, and I'm thankful that you're a part of what God is doing here. And um, uh, Pastor Sean, Krista, 
we love you guys. Um, we're so thankful for your friendship. Um, you got to surround yourself with people who will make you better. Um, that won't always tell you what you want to hear, but tell you what you need to hear in a way um, that they can help you grow and move forward. And, and you've been the, those friends to us. Wouldn't imagine life without you. Um, and just very thankful. We have so many stories that are going through my head right now that I'm going to refrain because we do have a time limit. And uh, we want to honor that. Um, my, we, our girls are here and a friend of ours, but Issa and Allie, so glad that you guys are here. You want to wave to everybody. Um, how many of you know that discipleship in your home is the most important? You can be as um, successful in life, but, um, you know, our families and what God has given us to steward is key. And so we're thankful for that. How fitting that we are in a series called The Table. Yep. And I will just say that I've had some of my favorite meals with the people here from Meatloaf Surprise. <laughs> you know, you know, Sean can cook, y'all. I don't know if you know that, but. Hey, we, if I, he ever cooks that, don't eat it. <laughs> To what might go down as my all-time favorite Thanksgiving meal between the Akala family and the Bensons, I was a new, um, not quite girlfriend walking in that room. I wanted it to be that, but you were fighting it. You you fought it hard. But I remember how welcomed I was by all families there, and um, I'll never uh, take that for granted. And I know that extension is to all of you as well. And so just so grateful for all the love um, around the tables that we've been with with these guys. So when we're talking about tables, uh, if you do research, especially in the Jewish home, I love the tradition and and a lot of the things they do. And, And one of the things I love about a Jewish home home is that they don't separate kids and adult tables. How many of you ever remember family reunions sitting at the kids table? Throw your hands up in the air. I want to see. Yeah, you you got put at the kids table and you're like, man, I'm at the kids table still. I know my girls, it was a big deal when they got moved to the adult table. And um, I get set at the kids table. Even now, sometimes me and Sean get put at the kids table. And I'm like, dude, are you serious? (laughs) And so I remember, but what they do is they have one table. They have adults and kids intermixed. And why do they do that? So that the kids can hear the stories of God's faithfulness from the men and women of God who have walked through times, walked through troubles. And it's an encouragement when they hear the stories of God's faithfulness. I love that, that our kids can hear the faithfulness of God throughout the years. And so we want to invite you to our table and we want to share a little bit about our story and what God has done um, in our marriage and in our life. Um, and, and it starts with a prayer from, from David in Psalms 51.10. He said this, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And that's our prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for the people that we love. I'm so thankful... Uh, for what you've done and your faithfulness. And I pray that today you would speak to us, Father God. You would speak to our marriages, that you would speak to our relationships, God, that you would create in us a clean heart, a pure heart, a new heart, a surrendered heart. We're so thankful. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen Amen and amen. You know, um, we can't read a scripture with heart in it without kind of sharing some of our story. When you say um, heart, and what we've walked through together and with a lot of individuals in here, um, you can't help but share what happened um, not 
you know, seems not too long ago, but it's been a while now. It doesn't now. seem too long ago, but now 13, almost 14 years ago, wow. on a Sunday morning, actually a Sunday afternoon after church, um, we were in the midst of planning a church together. And uh, so when you plan a church, you have a lot of bivocational people working. And so our staff meetings were on a Sunday and uh, we're sitting in a staff meeting and I'm like, wow, it feels like an elephant is sitting on top of me. <clears throat> and I can, I'm having a hard time breathing right about now. And my arms really kind of hurting. And uh, I looked at Joey. I'm like, I don't think I'm okay. And he said, do we need to go to the hospital? To which I responded, no, I do not want to pay a um, emergency bill. Like, no, we don't have money for that. We have a 10 month old and a three and a half year old and uh, not great insurance. <laughs> so, but a few moments later I said, yeah, you need to take me to the hospital. Yeah. I looked over at Stacy and her eyes were dilated. She was really pale. And I was like, there's something wrong. Like there's something not right here. Do we need to go to the hospital? And immediately you stood up and you uh, made a V line to the restroom and, mm-hmm. and um, started getting really sick. Yeah. I kind of thought I had food poisoning, to be honest. We went to Shalotsky's. Took me a while to go, ever go back there. Um, and so I'm like, wow, I, this must be food poisoning. And, um, you know, before I knew it, I couldn't pull myself together and I was in an ambulance on the way to the hospital. And I remember, um, being in the car behind the ambulance and, um, I remember I wasn't really in the state of mind to drive. <laughs> How many you know? Um, just kind of shake, shooken up a little bit. And um, I don't know if it was Sean or somebody. Um, what, was it you in the car before me? Or, okay. There was somebody. I was in the car with somebody. I can't even remember. And we're following the ambulance, and everything's cool. And all of a sudden, we get about four blocks from where we were at. And the lights go on, and this ambulance just starts blowing red lights. And I'm like, this isn't good. Like, this isn't good. And I remember um, just kind of being in a, in a haze and we get to the emergency room. Yeah. And so I just know I'm in pain. I don't, I'm not really aware of anything else. And I get in the hospital and um, I'm asked, uh, are you doing narcotics? Do you, are there narcotics anywhere in your house? And I'm like, nope, not currently doing narcotics. She can't even do NyQuil. You know what I'm saying? Like, is there anybody in here? Like a quarter of NyQuil knocks her out for two days. Um, and so um, I'm like, I can guarantee you she's not doing narcotics. They asked all her friends or asked her parents separately. We're like, promise you she's not doing any drugs. Yeah. I'm thankful, thankful for that. Um, but after four shots of morphine and the pain still so strong, um, the doctor that was on call in that moment on a Sunday afternoon just said, we have to rule out your heart. And I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. Let's rule it out. Like I'm healthy. I'm dancing. I have kids, uh, you know, no heart history. We'll do that. So they put her on, um, the stretcher and, and they're, and they're pushing her back. I remember they asked you a question. I didn't realize what that question meant. Um, at the moment, and thank God I didn't, but they said, is there anybody you need to say goodbye to? Yeah, is there anyone else you need to talk to? Yeah, you want you know, and um, that, that was kind of a, a rude awakening. Yeah, yeah, I think so, and they said, well, hey, this will be a 45-minute procedure. Um, you won't be put under, which to me, I mean, this is still out for the jury. Like, I'm like, when I got my wisdom teeth, I'm pretty sure I got put under. Like, I don't remember that, but they're like, it'll be like that. Um, and so you won't remember any of it. We'll just go from there. And, uh, you know, the pain was so great. I kept waking up during the procedure and there was a lady there that would just say, just breathe, take a breath. And then everything would go black again. And, um, there was a, a time I, uh, I woke up and I, I couldn't, I was gasping for air and uh, the room wasn't calm. And I was like, oh, doctors yelling, people are running. Um, this is it. This is, this is it. 
And uh, immediately, I didn't have my whole life flash before my eyes. I just went to my last week. Um, and I was like, wow, Joey and I kind of overcame some stuff, figured it out. You know, you got some weeks where you got to overcome some stuff. Went on a date. Uh, that was good. Uh, my parents were here from Canada. I got to see them. They come once a year and stay with us. Um, I talked to my brothers about once a month. I talked to them this week, um, I guess, you know, and I just thought, but my girls... They're 10 months and three and a half. And I was like, God, if this, if you take me, what will they think of you? How will this ever affect their relationship with you? How will they do? And um, everything went black again in that moment. I remember sitting in the waiting room and they're like, hey, it's going to be 45 minutes. Don't worry about it. Nonchalant. It was on a Sunday. So um, the, the hospital isn't staffed big, you know, big on, a, on the weekends. And I remember the same nurse that was with Stacy came out. And um, about two hours in the procedure, so I was thinking 45 minutes, it was two hours. I'm like, again, um, I'm not the smartest, but I'm like, if you say 45 minutes and we're at two hours, something's not right. And she walks out and says, we're working on the left side of her heart. She's having a heart attack. And then she leaves. And I'm like, okay. Um, You know, uh, I was in the waiting room with a group of people kind of sitting off to the side, trying to process, you know, just... Hey, God, I love you, and I will continue to love you if you take my wife. I will love you. Um, we're going to have some issues to work through. But, um, but I give it to you at that moment. Yeah, and so I, I opened my eyes again, and um, the, the nurse that maybe these guys in the waiting room didn't like so much was my best <laughs> friend, so we'll take that. Um, she goes, you know, you're, you're having a heart attack, but you're going to be okay. <clears throat> and I just, that was a load to kind of take in and I didn't know what that meant. Um, but what we learned from there, right, is clearly today I'm here, uh, 13 years. She made it. I made it. Um, thank you, God. Um, and I, I, I'm kind of being tongue in cheek about it, but honestly, there is an 85% fatality rate of the type of heart attack I had. Um, and so I have no um, denying that God had me in the right place, surrounded by the right people, um, the right doctor on call for an hour and a half on a Sunday afternoon. I have four stents in my left descending artery all attached um, to one, but he's the top stent doctor in the state of Texas. And so I'm doing good. I'm off all medication and all that stuff. But when I came out of that, what we learn, right, is when a heart is damaged, it doesn't pump the way it needs to. Um, it kind of goes hard to protect itself. Yeah, for about six weeks, you know, um, the prayer was, God, help her heart to go back and be healed to the way that it was before. We learned a lot about the heart. Yeah, so my ejection fraction, which what that is, is how much um, blood your your heart is pumping out because that's what it's supposed to do, right? Get life to all the places it needs to go. And mine was an eight right after my um, surgery and then went to uh, 13% the next day. Um, and a, a normal functioning heart is right around 70%. It squeezes out about 70% of the blood that's in it on a constant basis. And so we had a lot of, we had a lot of work to do. Yeah, I had a lot of work to do. And our prayer was, God, uh, restore. Please, the damage that was done to her heart in that short period of time, please don't help it to to harden. Like if, it, if parts of your heart die, it doesn't function well. It doesn't work well. It, it'll affect every area of your life. And if you've had any type of cardiac issues, you understand what we're talking about. It's um, when the heart is functioning correctly, your body is working correctly. Right. And when your heart is functioning correctly, it's flexible. 
It moves. It has life. It gives life. It flows through it. And all I can say today as we sit here with you is your, your physical heart might be fine, but your spiritual heart might be damaged this morning. And it might be hard in some places. But I know the healer can fix any hardened heart that's available to him. And so our prayer for you this morning is that God continue to make our hearts flexible. You know, he wants to make things new. And what I love about God, and we sang about it this morning, is God doesn't take broken things and piece them together. Have you ever, you know, uh, I remember that we had some, it was a vase or something that I broke of mom's, and I tried to glue it together. Anybody else done that? Come on, thank I you, thank you, two. thank you. Stacy has too. And um, how many you know it never um, functions the way that it would, you know, that, that it should. It doesn't hold any liquid. Um, it doesn't look the way that it should. And, and I think sometimes we feel like, okay, I'm broken. God re, re, reshape me. But what he, doesn't, what he doesn't do is take broken pieces and put them together. He restores and makes new. Yeah. And so the, the, the hope of, of the master that we serve is he wants to make you new. He wants to make our heart new. And he wants us to um, pull, away, pull away from the old. Mm-hmm. When we become new, it always pulls at the old. There's always tension there. Mm-hmm. But he wants to make us new. And in Mark 2, 21 through 22, um, it, it's a great example of that. No one sews a peach, piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskin. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skin, and both the wine and the wineskin will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskin. And that's what the Lord wants to do with each one of us today. He wants to make us flexible. He wants our heart to pump and to move forward. Yeah, and the reason why he wants to do that, right? You're in relationships. You, you could be in a marriage today, and that life needs to flow between you, but that hardened heart can stop that. Um, that child relationship you might have, that friendship, that hardened heart, because it's protecting itself. It's kind of stopping, right? God wants to make that new. And so, yes, we do experience tension, just like you said with that, but our prayer needs to be, reshape me, God. Reshape me. Make us new. And that's the, that's the good point. God, he makes us new, but we have to be flexible. And here's what I know. It doesn't matter if you've been with, with the Lord for, for a day or a hundred years, there's always a tendency for areas in our heart to be hardened that we are not functioning the way that Christ created us to function. Can I get an amen? Somebody like, uh, there's always a tendency for us to, um, well, I've been with the Lord for so long and we get in ruts or we get in just the way we do things, but Christ wants us to be new and refreshed every single day. But we have to say, God, reshape us, make us new again. Right. Spiritual rigidity, which would be the inability to change or adapt, um, precedes mental and emotional rigidity. Right. It holds that back. Uh, That spiritual rigidity, it precedes that emotional and uh, mental rigidity. Um, If our hearts are not flexible, we won't be flexible emotionally or or, um, spiritually. Absolutely. Many of us don't change because our spirits aren't flexible. 
and, and that's hard to comprehend or to think of or even want to grasp. Um, sometimes we don't change because spiritually we're not in a place that we want to change. We want to hold on to the things that we, that we want to hold on to. And, and when we get into that mentality, and I've been there before, it's like, man, I just want to be who I, I, I don't want to grow anymore. I don't, want to, uh, I don't want to change anymore. That's a scary place to be because we won't be able to be used or shaped in the way that Christ wants us to be used and shaped. Right. But he wants to, move, he wants to shape us. Yeah, and you said this last night. We see a counselor a marriage counselor. We're advocates of that hundred percent. It helps us walk through different stages of life. And you know what he said to us, you have a good marriage, but do you want a great marriage? That great marriage requires us to have flexible hearts. Um, we could just settle. This is good. I got good life. I got good. Everything's good, but we want great and we want great for you. Um, and so one of the most important factors in life is that our hearts stay flexible. Right? We maybe don't like that word like soft, open, tender, broken. I mean, we got some man- Joey does jujitsu. He's so I know, but, but you do have a soft, tender heart. Yeah. I make sure I fit that in every time I speak. I do jujitsu. So, I don't know. I just, I did that for you. you Thank you so much. No problem. But you know, in Proverbs four uh, 23, it says to guard your heart for it is that wellspring of life. Guard it. It's that wellspring of life. Life flows from it. Yeah. Everything, everything comes from our heart. So if our heart is messed up, it's going to affect everything we do. Our marriage, it's going to affect relationships. Guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. And again, physically, it was easy for us to understand that Stacy's heart was damaged. Spiritually, you can't see that as much. It's easy to hide a, a hardened heart spiritually because you can't see it, but it affects everything that you have. Um, if the enemy can pollute your heart, everything in your life will be affected. You know how he does that? Through offense. Man, we're so good at being offended. I am a master at being offended. Anybody else? You're just like, man, that offends me. That offends me. That offends me. That and offense is is a big one. Or or jealousy, or comparison. Man, I, if I had X, Y, and Z, like those things can pollute my heart. And when my heart is polluted, it affects everything. The enemy doesn't care how he messes our heart up. If our heart's messed up, it's going to affect everything. It's going to affect our marriage. It's going to affect the way we love our, our kids. It's going to affect the way we work. It's going to affect the way we give and love and serve. Everything's affected when our heart is polluted. But when our heart is pure, when our heart is clean, when our heart is soft, it also affects everything that we do. And that's the good news. And that's one of the reasons I love the promise in Ezekiel 36, 26. It just says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you, right? I will remove your heart of stone and give you that heart of flesh. And this morning, I just want to say this again. I don't care how hard your heart is. God can give you a heart of flesh. I don't care how hard the heart is of the person you're praying for. Pray, God, give them that heart of flesh because he can do that. Tender hearts make the best wives, husbands, parents, friends, siblings, sons, daughters. Those relationships that sit across the table from you. Tender hearts make those relationships best. Here's what I know. When my heart is tender in the right place, it's really hard for me not to react incorrectly to Stacy on things. 
when my heart is tender and I'm seeking God and I'm allowing him to make my heart pure and clean, it's really hard for me not to be patient with my girls. It's really hard for me not to love them the way that I should um, because my heart is in a place where God can use it and work through me. But when my heart is hardened, it's easy for me to be short. It's easy for me to treat people with contempt. It's easy for me uh, to, to miss things because my heart is hardened. But when my heart is soft, you can love the way that Jesus loved. You can give the way that he gave. But we have to be aware of God. Make my heart pure. Make my heart soft. God, I surrender my heart to you. Right. And that just that make us flexible. If we're saying it again, make us flexible, God. You know, one of the best things for our relationships is revival. We need that revival and revival comes in two forms. Um, in John eight thirty two, it says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Um, first there's a reality, right? We don't always love reality, <laughs> but first there's a reality and then there's a release. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Yeah, we don't really love reality. I remember, I'm gonna, I, mom didn't know I was going to tell this story, but um, I was a kid's pastor and um, we were walking out of church and um, I was complaining about the kids. Can you believe that? <laughs> Man, I just had it up to my ears and frustrations and problems. We had about 600 kids um, in, in our kids ministry. So there's a lot of kids, but it's still not an excuse. You know, I, I was just, and I, and I was verbally saying something um, out loud, like, man, I can't stand kids or something like that. <laughs> I know that's horrible. <laughs> Don't look Wait, at me like that. Some of these guys have sent their kids to kids I know camp. that. We've had a heart change since that moment. <laughs> yes. And your kids and youth pastor don't feel that way. That was my hardened heart. Okay. So, uh, but I remember just being frustrated. I walk out like, man, I can't stand kids. And she looked at me and goes, mijo. She goes, I know, I know you don't mean that, but you don't need to say that, you know, especially around this context. And guess what? That hurt. The reality of her saying that hurt, but she loved me so much. I knew where I was at isn't where I wanted to stay. And so none of us really love reality. None of us love to look at our spouse and say, I got work to do. Right? None of us want to hear a message that's saying, hey, there's some hardened heart pieces in your heart that you need to allow God to fix in you so that you could be everything that Christ wants you to be. But the good thing about reality is you know where you're at so you can know where you want to go. I'm notorious for using a GPS all the time. Even if I'm going from like H-E-B to my house, which is five minutes away, I use my GPS. And Stacy's like, you really don't know. You're, you're 40 plus years old. You still got to use a GPS. And I'm like, I just like it. It's a comfort to me. I know where I'm going. And she goes, but, but the thing is, if I have a GPS and I know, if I don't know where I'm at, I'm never going to get where I want to go. So you shall know the truth. The truth is we're all sinners messed up. And we need to come to a loving father who can change us. But the set us free part is that he can set us free to be everything that he called, he's called us to be. Right. Think about the woman at the well, right? Before Jesus gave her that water that lasts forever, he spoke to her reality. Go get your husband. Oh, you don't have one. You had five. And the one you're with is not your, he spoke to her reality. Um, and then the blessing happened, right? So sometimes we have to accept that word of reality because he knows us. Yep. 
and that's okay. Yeah, isn't, man, isn't it good that God knows us and he still loves us? He still has release for us. He still has blessing for us. It's not too dark. It's not too bad. It's not too much. He knows. He loves you. He's ready to give you a heart of flesh if that's what you want. And you know what? God's not scared of our doubt. He's not scared of our mess. He's not, he wants us to bring it to him. You know, I think a lot of times we feel like, well, I got to get my stuff together. You'll never, ha- you'll never have your stuff together. He didn't die so you would come with your stuff together. He died because he knew that we needed him. He knew that we needed him. And so the great news is, man, come messed up. Come with your doubts. Come with your reality. And he'll take that reality and he'll release you like Gideon. Gideon's reality was the dude was hiding. He was scared. He was scared and he didn't want to be the man. But the release was, Gideon, I'm going to call you out of your reality and I'm going to release you to release a generation. I'm going to use you. But until Gideon knew his reality, God couldn't release him. God isn't afraid of our reality. But we can't be stubborn. We can't be stubborn. Stubbornness says, I don't want to change. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to fix the parts in my life that I need to fix. You know, 20 plus years of marriage, um, we still have so much to work on and to grow and to move forward. But there are times when you're like, man, when is enough enough? Like, I've worked on these things over and over again. And do I continue to work on them? Yes. Because God has so much more for us. We just can't be stubborn with that. Right. And that flexible heart can overcome. If you have a flexible heart, God can work with a flexible heart to overcome addiction. God can work with a flexible heart to overcome hurt, but we bring our reality to him, right? That those walls that are up, God can work with a flexible heart to overcome those walls. Um, but wait, sometimes we have to go, this is the reality, God, this is where I'm at, but I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. After reality comes grace. Did y'all hear that? A, a, a soft heart can overcome. A surrendered heart can overcome. I don't know what you have to overcome. I don't know what you're going through, but I do know if your heart is surrendered to God, he can help you overcome those things. The enemy works so hard to harden our heart because he knows if our heart is soft, if we have a heart of flesh, there's nothing that God can't do in and through us. We have to be flexible. So he doesn't just make us new, right? We're made new like that wineskin, but he also makes us full. And that's good news. It's not just like Joey said, it's not all broken and you can't fill it now. He, because he restores it and makes it new, he makes us full. You know, I heard this quote that, um, that grace, the grace of God can leak. So we need to refill it daily. You know, the grace of God leaks. So we need to refill it daily. And it leaks because we're sinners. And it leaks because um, we're never going to be fully one with Christ until we're with him in eternity. How many of you know that you've heard, you hear a message on Sunday or you hear a message, a class on Wednesday, and um, I love everything that um, the Grace Place offers for growth and development, but you, you go in on Wednesday and you hear a message, and then on Thursday you come in, and man, you just lose it. Is there any, anybody? Don't look at me like that. You know what I'm talking about. Sunday, God moves, and you're feeling it, and then Monday comes, that grace leaks a little bit, and you need to refill it. You need to refill it daily. But guess what? God's grace is sufficient for you. And it's new every morning. Yeah. It's new every morning. That's why we got to come to him daily. Right. It's just like Israel with the manna, right? It was a daily thing. It's always there. It's always there for us to take. We're so good at, uh, you know, letting it leak, (laughs) 
maybe getting poked by the relationships that are around us, maybe, um, you know, dipping it out of other people's uh, filling too. Like, I'm going to take some of your grace right now because I need it, right? But his grace is always there for us, just like it was for them. And all things spiritual need to be refreshed. So if there was a moment that you came to God and you surrendered that heart, and it was 25 years ago, has that been refreshed lately? Has it been filled again? Because all things spiritual do need to be refreshed. And he wants to refresh you daily. I want you to think of the last time you really had a true encounter with the Holy Spirit, that, the, that you felt it, that you, that you knew it, that God changed you, that he transformed you. But I want you to know that can happen every single day. As a matter of fact, he wants you to connect with him every day. He wants you to be filled. He wants to make you new. He wants to fill you up. And he wants to do it for a purpose. God has given, given every single one of us a purpose. And, and when I think about Jesus' purpose in, in, Mark, in Matthew 20, 28, he said, just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to be served and give himself as a ransom for many, he lived his purpose. All his purpose, his complete purpose. When I think of Paul in Acts 20, 24, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me, my only aim is to finish the race, complete the task the Lord has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul finished his race. Paul finished his race. Right, Jesus had a mission and Paul had a mission and we have a mission too. And for me, my mission became clear on that table when I thought life was over. It wasn't my job. It wasn't what I, my accolades. It was my people. It was my kids and my husband. That mission became clear. And uh, Jesus gives all of us a clear mission. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Part of that challenge is who's your neighbor? Sometimes it's, you're we're great at loving the person, the acquaintance that comes into the church building. But what about the spouse in your home? What if they're your neighbor? Love them as yourself. What about your children in your home or your parents in your home? Um, love your neighbor as yourself. That's, that's why we're filled. That's why we're restored so we can pour that love out. That's why we continue to get filled because it's not just to be full Christians, but it's because that grace leaks and it should.